This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are covering the episode of ECW from January the 31st of 1995. Nate Maxson, your host, of course, here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello, everyone. And the champ, Mr. Chad Austin. That's right. Sorry if my uh, fibromyalgia is acting up again. <laughs> uh, you don't have to apologize to me. I have I have the worst cold I've had in my entire life right now. I think it's because I'm getting old. I've probably had colds this bad. I just didn't notice as much. Yeah, you're going to say that. You're going to say that now every cold you get. <laughs> like t- tomorrow you're going to come down. You're going to you're going to have AIDS. And you're going to say this is the worst AIDS I've ever had. I think it's because I'm old. Yeah, I mean, 30 years ago, I remember having AIDS. It was not like this. Chad Austin threw that vial of AIDS at me, and now look at me. Uh, Chad Austin couldn't get the vial of AIDS through. Somebody else took a a shot of the AIDS. Couldn't get get through security. Yeah, but you could take a fucking, you could take a guitar and take off the guitar strings and put barbed wire across where the strings were. (laughs) You could bring in a big Jew cross. (laughs) <laughs> and, and a can of gasoline, but heavens, to, heavens forbid you bring a little bit of AIDS to a party. Ooh, the whole party shuts down. You hear a needle scratch. He's got the AIDS. I just thought of that line on the. Uh, I don't remember what the but the oh uh, is it ill communication the the Beastie Boys album that has sabotage on it. And the guy's like, if I knew it was that kind of party, I'd have put my dick in the mashed potatoes a long time ago. Oh yeah, right now that kind of party, stuck my dick in the mashed potatoes. That's um, <laughs> is that is that 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 dude um, the guy from House Party? I think so. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but yeah, now that you mention it, I think it is. What's his last name? Gibbons or something? Aaron, do you remember? I don't remember. His, I know. I know exactly who Chad's talking about, but I can't remember it's the, the name. Same guy that made uh, um, Bebe's kids, isn't it? I'm. I'm sure. Probably he's in like every single. He's a typical black parent. <laughs> in, in well, he was like Robert Harris, Robin Harris. Probably. Yeah. I mean, because I know he's a stand-up. Yeah, he died. Um, I can find out. I think I think we were supposed to go see him doing stand up in Baltimore. I mean, I didn't know it was him, but mm-hmm. um, the judge had got came across like some free, like a whole bunch of free tickets, like a whole bunch of them. Like yeah, like pretty much, yeah, pretty much like they couldn't give tickets away for this one show, and he was like, "Hey, I can get everybody in," and um, and for, I don't know, I don't know why I didn't go. Maybe because I had something else going going on or. Or it was like one of them eleven thirty shows, like what a what a Tuesday night. Like I ain't got time to go see this this ham, this, this bone over there. And who'd you say he was? He's the guy that said he called to tool it up on Friday. Wasn't that him, the guy on Friday? Father or something? No, that's a different dude. Jesus. Yeah. They're all the same guy. <laughs> don't go don't go in there for about another 35, 45 minutes. <laughs> he said he's still alive? No, that guy's dead too. But yeah, oh, Robin, Har- Robin Harris is dead, and that, Pitbull that, number two, <laughs> Pitbull Gary Wolf. <laughs> I was laughing at that today. I was when they, when they came across the TV. I was like, "Which one of these are dead? Aren't they both dead?" <laughs> uh, Gary Wolf's early grave on reliving the extreme, but uh, well, before we start talking about the episode of ECW. It's finally coming to an end. After many, many weeks, we have the final paragraph of Chad Austin's Wikipedia here this week on Reliving the Extreme. The final paragraph of my career. Your epitaph, yes. It's it's here. Um, in early 2008, Chad made several appearances for the Eastern Wrestling Alliance in Baltimore. On March 16th, he defeated Jimmy Stars at its Fight the Power Supercard. Jimmy Stars, you know who that is? It's Jimmy Ethan Stars. Yeah, I used to know. Um, he lives like not too far from me, and um, he used to he used to be a part of this tag team with this other guy named Sexy Steve. <laughs> and uh, I used to make fun of them all the time because they were just skinny fucking bones. Um, and they were like they they both did this like sexy boy like tag team, and he's Jimmy Ethan Stars. And I I, for, I I forgot what I used to call him all the time. But um, 
like he really got on his nerves like because uh, he was just you know because he was a young kid you know young kids you could just that's what you do you mess with them like that you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like a, it's like i'm not being hard on the guy i'm just like ribbing him you know was it, was like, it were they were they like pg-13 skinny is that yeah yeah i mean they were young they were young kids like like that and and I, I mean, and I like the guy. That's the only reason why I, I picked him out because I thought he was one of the better ones out of the out of the crew. So I was like, why not just goof on goof on him because that way you you get to hang out with him, whatever. But then he used to like, um, I used to when I used to go like, see him out like in, on a Friday or Saturday night or something. We're at the same bar or something. He would like, oh look who's here, Mister Big Time. What do you mean, Mister Big Time? I'm at the same bar you're at. You know, we're we're in Dundalk. What are you talking about? Twenty five cent bottles. Mr. Big Time, I come rolling in here with a with a half a uh, a half a roll of quarters. Now nah, Jimmy Stars is an alright kind of guy, and so is Sexy Steve, his partner. Nice, what a tag team! I remember we were, we were at a, a wrestling show one time, and the the locker room guy would read off the card. All the boys would be standing there, and we wouldn't know the card. And he would go down like whoever's wrestling who, and raise your hand when he calls your name, and. He says, Chad, I raise my hand up and he goes, you'll be wrestling Sexy Steve. And I turn and I, I barely see a hand raised up a bunch of, amongst a, a gang of five foot six inch people. I barely see a hand go up. And I turned around and looked and I went, you're Sexy Steve? <laughs> and then uh, the guy goes, well, Chad, you beat him um, in like five minutes. And I said, and, and uh, I said, with what? He said, um, I don't know. He goes, you can beat him with whatever you want. I go, I know. I mean, but can you be a little more specific? So I was like, you know, what do you want me to give him a wrist lock? I'll get him in an arm bar. You know, take it home. I, I, I'm not sure all the Hellcats, that was their gimmick. It, it was Jimmy Stars and Sexy Steve. They were called the Hellcats. And their gimmick was THC. Ooh. That, that was like on the side of their trunk. THC, the Hellcats. Fucking lame. This is the last thing Wikipedia's got on me. No, we still got more of this paragraph. I just, I don't know why, but I picture that team coming out to pour some sugar on me. Oh, they don't know anything about that. I had probably right said Fred. Some old kid rock. They they got a hold of like the of um Polywog Stewart, whatever the first album was that has like the bull god on it. That nobody ever had for the longest time until Kid Rock already is already popular. Then he, he found it. Look what I got—the first Kid Rock record. It's the only yeah. one that doesn't suck. Well, you're right, cause it's the it's the only one that has like all the styles like on it. He's like DJing, and he's got like the old school hip hop beats, and you know, and then he goes into the, the heavy metal. That's a good one. You know, what's funny is I'm not a huge fan of Kid Rock, but I was a fan of Uncle Cracker, and. <laughs> He didn't ever amount to much, really, as far as a solo artist goes. But I did like him. I did. I. I don't know. I don't hate Kid Rock, but I'm not a big fan. But I like. I liked Uncle Cracker. Anyway, that's completely fucking beside the point. Yeah, I mean, I did coke with Kid Rock. Me, Axel, Balls, boy, I kept my. I kept myself some in some good company, didn't I? <laughs> Back in ECW. <laughs> when I when I was uh, when I was a just a young man. My first job was at a Sam Goody store in Toledo, yeah, in, in Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. What was your job? Taking them plastic things off the cassette? Yeah, essentially, yes. <laughs> and making sure punk-ass kids didn't steal the Positive K single. But uh, um, got a man? The <laughs> what your man got to do with me? What, what um, guy? What guy is stealing that record? <laughs> <laughs> it's 1996. Give him a break. <laughs> That's got to be a fraternity prank. <laughs> you got to go in the same goodie and steal positive K. I got a man. <laughs> you got to get and the single because it has the dub on the B side. <laughs> then you got to get the full length. Because Toledo was so close to Detroit and he was still, they were still young in their careers. There was actually times where we would have CD signings with Kid Rock and also ICP. Kid Rock, totally cool. ICP, complete fucking pricks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, com- I, I, ICP. Yeah. That, I, we did a we did a show 
uh, on the Eastern Shore, and if you if you you're from where I am, the Eastern Shore, you guys would know exactly. If you guys got a glimpse of the Eastern Shore, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just farms, just it's all farms, mm-hmm. like tons of land with just wheat and stuff. And we ran a show over there, and like they paid their own way. They they were on tour, and they were coming through Baltimore. They were coming through the Eastern Shore, and they found out there was a show there. So they took the bus to the show and they paid the promoter, Whipwreck, to let them get on the show. And um, I remember they were like in the hallways, like going over their match and stuff. It was just, just like um, me and Keenan were going over our match in the hallway and they had some goofs walking down the hallway, like doing the whole, like they were security around the insane clown posse. And, and like me and Keenan were just going over our match, like looking at them. As they're like the guys like trying to clear the hallway, and I'm going like duck the clothesline, drag the uh, trail on, <laughs> and then we're being butted up against the wall for the for clowns, <laughs> like literally. And then I I went and saw them live at at, at, a, at a very very local establishment that I used to live like a couple blocks from, and. Dude, they destroyed this place. The owner was at least smart enough to cover the whole entire concert side in plastic. So when they started the Fago party, because I don't think he really knew. I think somebody had to smarten him up about, dude, you better cover this place up in plastic because you just spent like $20,000 for a brand new country line dance in the floor. Yeah, it's, it's going to get real sticky real quick. Oh, yeah. I mean, all I remember was like they grabbed Axel. They, they told Axel to come on stage and, and start doing the Fago too. And because they grabbed Axel, Axel grabbed me. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be on that side of the Fago. I'm going to, I'm going to be on the dishing it outside. I'm, I'm tired of being over here getting hit with the hey, strawberry. I was about to say that. I ain't getting covered in red pops. Yeah, this is Hawaii or whatever. The fucking, yeah. The fucking ICP sucked. Oh, I mean, whatever happened to them? I wonder if they're still around. Aren't they still wrestling in people's backyards and shit? I don't know. They're still around. And they're still big in like the Midwest, like where you guys live. Probably. You just don't know it. Yeah. uh, But I was going to say, unfortunately, yes, our our area of the country, that's our fault. We're sorry. They do those those juggalo fests and all that shit. That just sounds like it's awful. Sounds like it should be co-sponsored by Combat Zone. And like uh, on a... On the, on the special stage is IWA Mid South. <laughs> like it's also appearing, um, Madman Pondo. <laughs> oh God, that's like the only time you're gonna you're gonna pop for Madman Pondo. It's if you're going to a Juggalo fest. It's like after the festival, you gotta get shots, like, <laughs> or both, and get shot. You know, it's that- one of the wa- the wackiest things I've ever seen. Um, I don't know if JCW still exists, um, but I remember they had a they had they did a Juggalo Championship Wrestling card, and it looked like it was in somebody's backyard, and they had like a battle royal, you know, and whoever wh- whoever's in it, whatever, it's fine. But the person that surprised me the most was this Juggalo Championship Wrestling, and out comes Bob Backlund. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the fuck is, you know, morbid curiosity. All right, I'm going to watch Bob Backlund in Juggalo Championship Wrestling. I, w- I wonder if they did that shit just because they had the money to do that shit. Because they, I know that they, I've heard stories that they would bring in just guys that they liked mm-hmm. growing up and stuff, you know. Because you imagine just being, I mean, I don't know if Bob Backlund has a, um, as a booker, an agent or anything, where you know, or he takes some bookings. Imagine you calling up and he's like, Yeah, this is Von and Jay. Can I speak to Mr. Beckham? <laughs> like to hear that conversation. You can tell you can tell when you watch the the video. I think it's on YouTube. Backlund's just there. Like to him, it's just another appearance, you know. He has no idea what the fuck a juggalo is. He has no idea what the fuck is going on. He's just Bob Backlund doing the Mr. Backlund character. And Can you imagine him asking the juggalos to name all the presidents? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, yeah. Or just randomly spell words. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say Bob Backlund playing Scrabble with ICP. <laughs> Doing a, on Face the Nation or something. And he's got on the glasses with the flip up uh, sunglass thing, you know, on the. <laughs> Mr. Backlund, man. Scrabble with, with 
Jesus. Bob Backlund versus ICP. I'd pay pay-per-view money for that. Same. He's Bob Backlund's pretty much doing anything with Insane Clown Posse. He's spelling out like fucking super Cali. Bad, like he's spelling out big words and they're just like, hunt, fuck, <laughs> dick. Yeah. <laughs> bitch, slut. Oh, and then bitch is like five letters. Back and then like, like, cap- he, puts, he puts like, um, at the end of bitch, he puts easy. <laughs> Look, bitches. <laughs> for, for our triple points. Triple point uh, score. <laughs> all right, let's see the next sentence here. After the match, uh, the match with uh, Jimmy Stars, Chad was attacked by the Varsity, Zach Matthews, and Bruce Chan. Oof. Bruce Chan. The Varsity? That's what it says here, the Varsity. Oof. I don't know what school they went to. If they were the varsity, because I think I remember Bruce Chin. I think he's like, oh my god, um, I want to say like he's one of them like hundred and like twenty pound guys, really, really small, just complete. You know, who is the other guy? Corey Taylor uh, from Slipknot? Zach Zach Matthews. I don't even know who the hell that is. Zach Matthews. He got a got a completely solid independent name though. <laughs> Zach Matthews. I can see him. Uh, he's 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 going up. He's going after the the NAWA Mid America title against Tony Atlas and Parsippany. Judy Bagwell's shoes on a pole. I met Tony Atlas, gigantic fucking person. <laughs> I just showed. So uh, he just said he, he had a picture with somebody I know recently, and um, the, the Tony Atlas's arm was like bigger than like. It was From Aaron. Like his, his shoulder up. It was, like, it, it was the picture was with Aaron. Yeah, with the from the oh, show. Yeah, yeah, from the from the show we went to last weekend. Yeah. I showed that what? picture to Jess. I was like, look at this guy's arm. When I looked at the picture, I was like, I am a tiny, tiny man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You're just not Tony Atlas big. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like, that was some shit, man. When I saw that picture, I was like, I felt emasculated. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Well, yeah. <laughs> The cool, the coolest thing about about Tony to me, and I mentioned it to Aaron, was uh, Aaron had him sign a magazine that Tony was on the cover of. Okay, and Tony signed the cover of the magazine, and then he opened up the magazine, and there was another picture of Tony. So he signed that page too. I was like, he gave you two autographs. He signed every page he was on. Was... Did he did, did he give you the laugh? Yeah. No, yeah. It was a good time. Jesus, Tony Atlas, man. What, what can you say, dude? The man, he is completely awesome, dude. Just he is. I, I've anybody that's ever said anything negative about Atlas, I'm like, go piss up a rope. Tony Atlas is cool as shit. Why? Wow, what is what? What is the anything negative about Tony Atlas? I don't know. I've I you know I've heard your pretentious your pretentious crowd sometimes knock his work rate and stuff, and it's like whatever. He, he's terrible. It, it, well, and that, but he doesn't have to be fucking Bret Hart. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not his role. You know, that's not what he's there for. He's teaming up with Mister Wrestling Number Two for Christ's sake, and he's working. He's working opposite um, Kevin Sullivan and Matt Bourne. You know what I mean? What do you What are you expecting? <laughs> Luthes yeah. and Vern Gagne. I was to say, you want a fucking clinic? That's not your match. If you want to be entertained, you're probably going to like this match. They probably go to the clinic. <laughs> Tony Allen's are going to fall somebody's feet, though. I'll tell you that. He used, to love it when, he used to love it when Greg Valentine worked the leg and get him in that spinning toe hold. Get them feet. Get them feet. Yep. That's can, you do it with, can you do it with both legs, Greg? There was this group of people that were just lingering when I'm, like, waiting to get the autograph, and they just keep talking to him or whatever, and I'm like – and there was, like, this kind of – quasi-attractive Mexican lady and and as they're talking to him that's what, all I was thinking was he was probably like yeah let me get them feet <laughs> yep what's that feet what's that shoe you wear lady I do I know he said that that's a hundred percent of a shoe I know he's I know he said that give me that them word, give that me word them out of his mouth give me them feet us senorita <laughs> yeah, he said give me them feet us Jesus 
All right. Chad made another appearance a month later, losing to Zachary Shane at Baltimore's Tall Cedar Hall on April 20th. Yeah, my career is definitely going downhill. <laughs> even in, in even in the Maryland bookings, because I noticed there's not any more Maryland championship wrestling bookings anymore. Now I'm working for the EWA, the the not my, not major leagues of Maryland wrestling. And tall seaters, I pass it all the time when when me and Miss Jess are going like out to eat somewhere other than right down the street. It's pretty close. It's a great building for um it's a really good building for wrestling. It's got its own built-in concession stand. It's got like hardwood floors. Um very, very, very um accommodating a uh, lock. It's just like we had a little bit of an internet internet issue there, but we are back and Chad was telling us about Tall Cedar Hall. That was a great yeah. venue for wrestling. It totally is, man. I um, I, I I enjoyed every time I ever worked there, and from what I understand, it was relatively um inexpensive to run, and it even came with an alcohol license. Boom! Like it, it came with a beer license anyway. Like I, I know you could buy beer there. I, I mean, you could buy like beer and wine. I think mm-hmm. that's about that's about all you could buy there. But I always love working there. I get my paydays and um, get my payday and fives so I can go up to the bar and give the guy a five and then, you know, tell him to keep the other buck. <laughs> like, you know, because you're getting like, you're getting like big ass, like 16 ounce, like cups, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like big ass cups for like five bucks or like four bucks. And you just give him like a five or something and tell him to keep the, keep the change and whatever. But needless to say, with the payday I was getting, I got like three beers. <laughs> and like I had enough to do for that, that one hot dog that's been in there since the, the silent era. The, the, it was the one hot dog that Jim Lundis turned down. I was going to say, Jim Lundis went to see Nosferatu. <laughs> yeah. And there was that one hot dog in there. He just put it in. Later that year, Chad and Kylie Pierce lost an intergender tag team match to Angela and the Baltimore Bully at MCW's Ravens kickoff in Canton, Maryland on September 5th, 2008. Hmm. Me and Kylie Pierce. Mm-hmm. You know who that, that name rings a bell, doesn't it? Oh, is she, she's the girl you had the, uh, the match where you brought the AIDS, right? Yeah. Tournament of death. I guess that's, made it. that's, uh, that's old Kylie Pierce. And he, he said me and her teamed up and we beat who? Angela. And the Baltimore Bully. All right. That sounds like um, you said this this show had a specific title, right? Yes, it was Raven's Kickoff. Okay. That was one of them deals where um, it was uh, like opening day. And like there's this like area where we live at to have like a whole bunch of bars that have like outside seating and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like they, do, they all do like a Raven's thing. And they have bands and all kinds of other stuff. And then they have music and then they have wrestling and like Kelly Bell and all were part of it. And then, um, yeah, then um, Kylie Pierce is the girl I worked with. And Angela ended up becoming, she become um, our like girl cheerleader of me and Dino's tag team, the Slackers. Okay. She was the girl that they, she teamed with us for months and months and months that we didn't know she could do anything. And then finally somebody pulled us aside or, and then we were talking all three of us were talking to another girl and they asked if, if she had done any of her stuff yet. And we were like, what do you mean stuff? And, and she's like, Oh, she's like, a, um, like a world-class gymnast. <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck do you mean? She's a world-class gymnast. Yeah. Why has and, she been kayfabing this this whole yeah, time? Yeah. She never told us anything. So then once we, once we saw some of the stuff that she could do, we automatically like, figured out how we can get her to do most of the match all we got to do is our comedy spot our our typical comedy spots and then we set it up to where the referee goes with the one guy or whatever and then that leaves me dino in the ring with the other guy and we would send the guy into the corner me and dino would both splash him or do a spot and then all of a sudden while the referee's back was turned angela would come in and do a double handspring backflip like with a tuck elbow 
Yeah, but but she could do it like ten times. She, she could do it from the locker room into the to the ring. Like <laughs> she go back to the locker room and come out handspringing all the way down the aisle, and then she would handspring up the ring steps, <laughs> and she would hand, hand handspring like in between the ropes to get into the ring, and then, like how the hell is she doing all this stuff? And slowly but surely, uh, as far as I know, she just kind of like um, she just kind of like got out of the business, and it wasn't it wasn't. It wasn't a, a bazillion years ago that I ran into like the, the girl, the main girl from the company at the time, Candy, and I asked her, you know, whatever happened to her, and she's like, "Oh, it was her job." And I'm like, "What she do?" She's like, "Oh yeah, she's a rocket scientist." I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, "For real, she's a shoot rocket scientist." And like, what is she doing, dicking around with pro wrestling? <laughs> she's a rocket scientist, a gymnast. She's she was everything but successful at pro wrestling. She was successful in every other facet of, of her life. And and what was cool was is that her her boyfriend was like this super like really cool guy. Like everybody liked him and all. And he of course he had to have a cool name. His name was Cash. He 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 went on later on in life to meet a guy named Dax. And they went on to forever to be known as uh, FTR. Oh. Actually that's not true at all. Oh well, all right. <laughs> hey, you, you had me. Yeah, Dax and Cash, because his name was Cash. Oh, he was also invented the Wu-Tang Clan, too. He, he was hanging out with the Wu-Tang Clan one time, and he's like, man, this Cash is ruling everything around me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, you're an honorary, honorary Wu-So member. <laughs> and that, my friends, is very easy. <laughs> the last sentence of Chad's Wikipedia page. On November 7th, 2009, Chad lost to Keenan Creed in a three-way dance with Andrew Riker at the New Green Room in Dundalk. Ah, Andrew Riker. Is that you? Oh, um, Andrew Riker. I'm trying to think of who that was. I was so hoping the last pair in the last sentence would have been like... On November 28th, Chad passed away. Like, <laughs> they killed him off. <laughs> Probably I've been killed off from every other company that I worked at. He's buried next to Gary Wolf. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's waiting for him. I, I put a down payment on Gary, Gary Wolf's plot. I know he's going to be dead soon. <laughs> soon enough. If he's not already dead. I had to tell the guy at the, at the funeral place, like, are you just can you double check again to make sure that he's that he's still alive? I've been thinking he's been dead for two years now. Well, that's it for Chad's Wikipedia page. Now we dig into the episode of ECW from January the 31st, 1995. And as the show opens, we show Joey Styles from last week talking about Tully Blanchard, the whole new Tully Blanchard, old Tully Blanchard thing. They show the main the finish from last week's main event. And then we get a, you know obviously staged, but behind the scenes thing of Joey Styles without his jacket talking about, you know, I want to do an interview with this guy, interview with this guy. And then they have to, they have to throw back out to the ring because the fans in Florida are throwing the chairs into the ring. Like they're in the ECW arena. Which happened at the end of the show, right? Mm-hmm. But they showed it at the beginning of the show. They showed it at the beginning of the show. And my question is, do you think, because I know, you, Chad, you said you weren't there. Do you think that this was, uh, I know, because the first time that the chairs got thrown in the ring in the ECW arena, it was organic. It just happened. Do you think the fans were encouraged to do so? No, they were encouraged not to do so. Okay. And that it goes back to Eddie Gilbert 101. You know, when they tell you you can't do something. Yeah, reverse and, psychology. And plus, and plus, not only that is um, the them fans in, in Florida. They were not ECW fans like ECW. They wanted to be ECW fans so bad. They were just a couple steps shy of being like like ECW, ECW. And I think it took them a while to look around and realize there ain't no security here. You know, <laughs> we can mm-hmm. do we can do whatever we want. And isn't that where they broke the ring at too? I in Florida. Think, I think so. Yeah. It wasn't this episode, but I'm pretty sure it was in Florida because it was the end of the tour, I believe, when all the fans started running into the ring. Good thing I wasn't there. But these recaps, man, I'm, I've had enough of these fucking recaps. <laughs> Jeez, like, enough. We've, we've already seen it. 
can't Do believe not, they ain't showing Mr. Hughes stuff still. <laughs> that money. <laughs> the earn. earn. Well, next we get a Shane Douglas promo at Poolside. And he is discussing Shane du- or he is discussing Tully Blanchard. And essentially the gist of the promo, which I thought was I thought it was effective, was he's talking about how Tully Blanchard is is uh, of course at this point Tully Blanchard is a born again Christian, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Shane's talking about how Tully is two faced about sin and addiction. Yeah, that was that that, that was some good shit because that was from the heart. It was like, I mean, it was stuff that I'm sure Tully didn't mind because mm-hmm. I'm sure Tully was still under the impression that he was being brought back, you know, for more dates. Because we we've already discussed that before about Tully's situation with the and, with the promotion. And it also it also promotes Tully's other business because not only is he in the wrestling business, he's in the God business. Of course, everybody eventually gets into the God business. Which is the same as professional wrestling, but that's just neither like, here nor there. Just like any, every NFL star that signs their first big contract somehow buys a car wash. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a pro wrestling star, when you, when you get your first big contract thing, you you know, you, you want to get a church. Sure you are. Aaron, your comments on this promo? Oh, not before you get before you get Aaron's comments, and don't forget where he got the um, where he got the uh, the the church and all that. He got it in like a non like taxable state and shit. Oh, of course he did. <laughs> yeah, even though you're not even though you're not going to tax, you can't tax the churches anyway. He got like a whole entire. He was in a in, in the in the Bible Belt where like every tax law was exempt. Every single law, like even even the guy who owns the. Uh, the ministry or whatever is is exempt from like his income, like from from the from the offerings. I, I wonder if, if Teddy was smart, like at, when he passed around all the don, don, donation plates and stuff like that. Like everybody who donated got like a like a coupon to get like a free picture at the at the end of the night. You pass it around and somebody standing behind you giving you a ticket. Afterwards, you can go get your picture taken with Teddy DiBiase, a Polaroid. Or knowing him, he probably had somebody draw a picture of you and him together. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's two stick people, and one guy's got a couple of dollars in his hand. And then he goes, ha, 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 ha. That's exactly how he did it, too, I think. But no, like you were saying, like, that's in my notes, is that, um, like you said, he's in front of a pool, he's, he's whatever, and I know sometimes we, a couple of episodes, we've talked some shit about Shane, like, like he concentrates too much on like um, people being like like people he perceived to treat him negatively or whatever. But at the end of the day, honestly, he's a fucking tremendous promo. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's and, probably- I, and I I have to say um, from the uh, talking about the the convention that Aaron and I went to where with the Tony Atlas story um, last week, I actually got to meet Shane and Francine for the first time um, at that convention and. Um, they 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 said to tell you hi, Chad. By the way, uh, oh, right on. But I, I uh, see, I, it's funny how I see Francine just a couple times a year, just completely they, by accident. They are both, and I did not expect, especially with Shane, and maybe with Francine, but especially with Shane, they are cool as fuck, man. Like he took, you know, it's a signing, it's a it's an autograph thing or whatever. He, I bet he bullshitted with me for twenty minutes, and um. Very cool guy. And also he brought up, remember last week when we talked about the show and they showed the highlights from the, the, the Florida shows and they showed public enemy facing a couple of local guys. Um, Shane actually, without even, cause I mentioned to him that we had discussed on the show, his match with Ron Simmons in Florida. And he said, you know what I remember about that Florida swing. He said, I remember talking to public enemy because they had went out there with two local guys and had the same 20-minute match that they would have with Sabu and Taz. And he said, I went up to Rocco, and I'm like, Rocco, you're a fucking veteran. Why are you having the same match with these two guys that you would have with Sabu and Taz? Why are you not just demolishing these guys in five minutes? And yeah, so... We, you know, it was just ironic that 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 we had just watched that, and then he had that story for me. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who the guys were. You said who were the guys? 
Shane didn't know who they were either, but he knew they were they were just local guys, you know. Of local, course they were. Yeah, local wherever they were. Uh, where were we at? Ocala or something like that. But yeah, he was like, I couldn't believe they're having the same. They're having a twenty minute match with chairs and garbage cans and all the stuff that they would do with like Sabu and Taz with these two guys that don't fucking matter. Like, well, <laughs> you, you do you not know how the business works? You talking to grunge and fucking Rocco Rock for Christ's sake? <laughs> Touche. Cheetah Kid and Zap with the equalizers. Yeah, I was getting. Sh- <laughs> I got Shane. I I had Shane sign this picture of him in his in his rookie year or whatever, <clears throat> and um, I didn't talk to him as long as Nate did because I don't I don't talk to people, but um, I look at it as a transaction. You sign my shit, shake my hand, I move on, but. Um, <laughs> Um, I'd mentioned to him that we were doing, um, we do this show and I was like, yeah, I do this show with Chad Austin with me and my brother. And Shane was like, oh yeah, man, I haven't seen Chad in years. And then Francine, she was just sitting there. I wasn't really talking to her. And she was like, did you say Chad Austin? I said, yeah, Chad Austin. And she goes, I was, I was in Baltimore and I did some show with, with Robbie E. And was hanging out at Jimmy Seafood's, and Chad showed up with like two beers in his hand, and just randomly was like, "What the fuck's up?" <laughs> yeah, it's that's that's because, <laughs> that's because of the judge. Um, I believe the judge was the one that told me that um, because they were in town for something, and probably one of them celeb fest convention or something, and I was like, "Well." You know, what's everybody doing? He says, what do you think? And I'm like, ah, going to Jimmy's. And again, I only live like a few blocks from Jimmy's. So I got, I got all, I was all banged up at the time. I figured I better hurry up and get over there before I get too even more banged up. (laughs) And around where I, where I live at, you can, you can drive drunk all the time because every car has got side damage to it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Every car has been in an accident around here. So it it doesn't look suspicious. I walk to the store like every day and there's just like five new cars on our block. And then I walk to the store again a couple of days later and it's still sitting there. And I walk to the store a couple of days later to that. And now there's cobwebs growing on it. Like nobody, nobody does anything about it. The car's been there. And like by this point, after like two or three weeks, you're starting to see less and less stuff on the car. Like all of a sudden now there's like, there's only, there's only one hubcap left. <laughs> and then like the, even the antenna's gone. They're just picking the car apart. They don't even need, need the chop shop. Yeah, you just leave your car outside for a couple of days. Yeah, but yeah, but Francine was cool. Uh, I always liked seeing her. She was always cool to me. We we were we were like in the same positions, breaking in together at the same time, like you know, because we were stuck together. She was a she was a jobber basically. She was getting nine one one all over the place at the time, and so was I. So we figured maybe one day we could team up and like soften the blow. <laughs> you take it first. I'll take it first, Francine. Then you take it. And she's like, why do I take it second? Because the first one is good. I'll, I'll take the first one. Then you take the second one. <laughs> and then we'll both take the third, fourth, and fifth one. And after that, there won't be any more. Well, the uh, the uh, the next thing that we see on this show is, is Public Enemy versus Sabu and Taz for the ECW Tag Team Championships. And I'm interested in your guys' notes on this match. Ooh. <laughs> just a mess. Yeah. I don't really have a lot of notes on it. Just kind of a, it's a brawl all over the building. I, I mean, it's your typical ECW tag team debauchery, basically. Yep. And we still got, like, um, it's it's still all this. Yeah, you're right. It's just all the same spots, just brawling all over the place. And like it should go without saying, but like Sabu was kind of the the shiner in the match. Like he's the guy that stood out the most. And I just it, it was I said typical ECW fair. Like I could just imagine what it was like going over the match with them guys. Cause I know from, from my own experience how them them kind of matches kind of go. They don't go over anything. They pretty much go over what they're gonna do later on that night. <laughs> After the show, <laughs> and then he's like, "Okay, now it's time for us to go to the ring. What are we going to do? I don't know. Just what we always do: walk and brawl. Yeah, you take me around and show me all the uglies in the crowd. 
<laughs> Look at this one. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Your your standard public enemy match, where essentially, it seems like almost every major, at least, public enemy match, is two matches because one of their opponents squares off with one of them in the ring and the other opponent squares off outside the ring. And that's how it goes for 15 minutes. Well, that's how it went. That's how it went through 99% of the um, public enemy matches. And the other 1% were them against the Harris brothers. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't quite go. It didn't quite go that way. (laughs) Uh, The Harris brothers told them, Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> He's like, Ron, you take him all over the building. <laughs> Another one, you stay with me and I'll just beat you up <laughs> in, in the ring while my brother is beating up your partner all over the building. All right. That's probably where they got the idea from. Yeah. Anybody got a problem? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, sir, Mr. Hitler. <laughs> you, got, you got Adolf over there. And you got uh, Adolf and Stalin over there, the Harris brothers. It's like, how many minutes do you want to go? Nine. Nine. I never met one in nine minutes. You're like, <laughs> what? A wrestler? He goes, no, a Jew. Oh, nine minutes in the in the, in the inferno. <laughs> He's on a different kind of gas, this guy. <laughs> Jesus. He <laughs> held his breath longer than all the other Jews. Jesus, a whiz. I'm going to hell again. I'm, I'm packing a couple bags for this ride. I'm trying to get my... <laughs> The uh, we get tables, of course, involved here. Um, at some point, Taz gets put through a table in the ring and gets pinned. Um, but Sabu puts uh, Johnny Grunge through the table on the outside, and 911 comes out and gets involved in this matchup. Um, but yeah, like the guy, like the guys were saying, this is just it's hard to take notes on a match like this because it's just a wild brawl all over the place. And in the end, in the end, um, the public enemy retains the tag titles. Nine one one choke slams or gets a hold of the referee, gets hit by the chair by Rocco Rock, and then uh, essentially nine one one choke slams Rocco. But in the end, like I said, uh, the public enemy comes out still the tag team champions. Kind of a debacle. I mean, it was a it, it was fun to watch. I'm not going to hate on it, but just typical. Right, yep. it's typical public enemy shit. Nothing special, nothing bad, just there. Because they can't do anything. <laughs> They're terrible, ungodly terrible. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I don't have much to say either. It's just it was what it was. It was just a, a mess, you know. And it was pretty much. I mean, since there was a no finish, right? Or was there yeah. a finish? No, there was a finish. Um... Taz does, Taz does get pinned. I didn't see him okay. get pinned. So you were paying more attention than I was. I, I put it actually in my notes. I was like, I don't think this thing had a finish. Well, I mean, that's that would be the way you're gonna that would be the way to do it because if I'm not if I'm correct on my timeline, aren't we getting close to the end of the Tasmaniac? Oh yeah. So why 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 wouldn't you just beat you know go out beating the Tasmaniac? You know, it's no it's no harm to what later becomes Taz because you you know you're just beating one character, you know, and then he's going to be gone for a little while, and then he's going to be come back, and then you're going to forget all about the Tasmaniac jerk. But yeah, that's, that's the way you do it. Well, then we get Joey Styles interviewing Paul E. Dangerously. Um, essentially, Paul cuts a promo talking about how he gets to uh, it gets to the point where he talks about Public Enemy going to hell. And how they're going to go through tables, which is obviously setting up a tables match for uh, Sabu and Taz to face the public enemy in a tables match for the tag team titles. Um, and here we go with tables. And you, you, you fast forward 20 some years later and the table thing is so played out. But at this time, like I say all the time, at this time it was something different in professional wrestling. So... That was when what everybody ran out, and the whole joke was everybody's going to go out and get stock in the table company. Because <laughs> I mean, it literally was like um, I, I could I could tell you a, a probably on on a, both hands probably total of like ten times how many times we went out to the ring just to like check the ring out before the show. 
mm-hmm. you know, just get in the ring. Everybody does it pretty much. You get in the even though even though you're pretty much assured it's the it's the same ring you're always working in, but you just want to make sure that the ropes are the way they're supposed to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. How guys get in the ring just want to check the ring out, kind of stuff. And yeah, they would they, they would do all that stuff, and it it was just a it was just a mess. And the Pauly promo I thought was tremendous. Of course, yes. I mean, because I because. Yeah. It had to have been. It had to. Be, it would have had to have been done in post production because Paulie knew exactly how much time he had to kill again. Mm-hmm. You know, they get they cover up all this, the band aid this debacle. The next, Aaron. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pass you up, Aaron. Do you have any comments on Paulie's promo? No, like you guys said, it was really good, and it's never bad with Paul Heyman. It was just kind of <laughs> continuing the story, moving to the next chapter of this fucking Taz Sabu. PE thing that doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's terrible. I mean I don't know. I I, I guess it's good. It, I guess it's good if you're there live because it always seems like it was it was a good idea when it's not a good idea. It always it just seems better when you're there. Mm-hmm. And then you're watching a bunch of sweaty guys bleeding all over the place, con- like Johnny Grunge at least was as far as I know. Bleeding that's all, all he, over the place. That's all he was good for: sweating and bleeding, sweating and bleeding. Yeah, and Rocco. Well, the next thing is good, at least in my opinion. We have Raven, and he is in a classroom uh, cutting a promo on on essentially Tommy Dreamer and uh, childhood being a misfit and an outcast. And again, like I've said in a few uh, few episodes since, t- since he has arrived in ECW, to put it into perspective, this is 1995. Grunge is a thing. And angst is a thing, and Scott Levy really tapped into that as best as anybody could, I think. And he does a really good promo here. Um, your guys' comments? Typical Raven. Yeah. Um, who knows how many t- – it had taken him a while to write I Hate Dreamer that many times on the blackboard. Though. Yeah, I have on here. And as they fade out, I Hate Dreamer is written like 70 times on the chalkboard. At least as, as many times as they could fit it in that thing. But what a way to get over the get over the point that you're getting to, right? You know, without him having you to even say anything. I and thought the, that was genius. And and the and the best part is is that they really don't even have a story. The story right. hasn't even been plus it's because they didn't even know what it was yet. Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't even there's no chance that they knew they were gonna go the route of the um the summertime girl story thing. They had no idea that was going to be the, the story for it. They just went ahead with the angle and then we'll just insert the reason why later. Yeah. I, 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 I personally, oh, go ahead, Aaron. I was going to say, honestly, they probably stumbled upon Beulah and were like, Oh shit. Let's see. Like she's, you know what I mean? Like they probably don't have her yet. And then when they stumbled upon her, they were probably like, Oh, look at her. Let's do this angle with this chick. You know? I can't remember why Beulah was even brought in to begin with. Who did she know? How did she even get there? Because I don't think she was anybody's girlfriend at the time. Because I don't think she knew shit about wrestling. Or, or was she there with Scotty first? I, I don't remember. I, I would have to uh, run into Dreamer somewhere where you would have to catch me out of the house. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't know either, to be honest with you. I do know that, and like you said, this could be, this could be the just the... The side effect of not knowing where you're going with the story, but it is fun storytelling to just get the little morsels, you know, not, they're not, you're you're not getting, you're not getting slapped upon the head with a story right away. It's a fun build to figure, okay, where the fuck is this going? What is the story? And like you said, Chad, it's, it's kind of a side effect of, well, we don't even know where the fuck we're going, but come along for the ride with us. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you keep the story, you just keep the story going because I mean, uh, I mean, at the, uh, uh, theoretically the whole, the whole entire story basically was after, even after the whole entire Beulah thing is discovered is that dreamer just could never beat Raven like at anything. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the old angle with um, what was it? The angle with the Freebirds in like the mid south, where uh, when they signed the Freebirds and Terry Gordy's talking about Steve Williams and all, and he talks about how he used to beat him picking up women. He used to beat him at playing pool, and now he's going to beat him for the <laughs> universal title. 
that's kind of the same thing with like the Raven and, and Jericho thing. It's like Raven's all bragging about how he took his girl and he did all this and that. And he's like, you can't do anything about it. Right. Good stuff, man. It's it's definitely it's definitely a good. Um, it's not even the beginning, but it's just I, it's just like the snowball effect. It's getting there. It's picking up steam, as far as I know. Yep, you, you're you're building intrigue, and that's how you get asses in seats. Building intrigue. Um, well, in ECW, you didn't have to build intrigue. You just had to open the doors. <laughs> that was the intrigue. Is how many seats are they going to have this time? Am I going to have to stand by the fire exit? That's the place to be. Either stand by the fire exit or you stand by where they give the the wrestlers their hot dogs and the beer. You could run and you could either run out the side door or run back to the back of the locker room. It's probably on fire. That's where the fire came from, the, the locker room. <laughs> Something's burning. <laughs> New Jack dropped his pipe. Well, the main event of this show is uh, Cactus Jack and Sandman in a Falls Count Anywhere match. And I actually enjoyed it. I, I thought this was good. I thought it was paced well. Um, they did, obviously, they do a lot of spots with outside the ring with fans, you know, handing somebody a frying pan or whatever. But again, I, I like to put it in the perspective of time. At this time, none of this was overdone and it was innovative in the United States, anyway. It, it just, it was just the only thing that I hated about it was it, it was just too long. It was, it was just the same thing for what 10 minutes 12 minutes yeah yeah i, I see what you're saying there it was the the it, and normally they edit they edit a match in ecw and you're like god they over edited this thing or they ever edited it poorly and with this one they didn't edit it enough i totally see what you're saying they, they needed it probably yes yes we had and, to be, we had to be running out of florida stuff by this point and that's not in any way a slight on Cactus and Sandman, but Chad's right. There was there, it, you get to a point where it's like, okay, here's the frying pan again. <laughs> you know, like we've we've reintroduced it. I did like the use of the garbage can in this match because it starts out as a garbage can that winds up looking like a car that's been through like the crusher thing. And I thought that the, it sounds stupid, but I thought the evolution of the trash can in this match was effective. Because by the time they're done, it's a flat thing. And actually, a garbage can being flat is more effective than a garbage can being full because it's got sharper edges. Yeah, I, I, I know that firsthand. I got the uh, the newspaper clippings and the hospital wristbands to prove it. <laughs> that it's it's always better to be hit the first time with the trash can than it is yeah. the second third time. <laughs> That's that's where I learned, <laughs> and uh, yeah, them trash cans, man. They, it, they, they don't hurt at all. They sound very good and all, but man, they do more damage if you're if, once they're crushed. You should bring the trash can that already crushed. That's <laughs> that's the way to do it. Bring it out. You, you bring a trash can out. You set it down there, right in the in the center of the aisleway. You stomp all over it. That's how you bring the trash can in the ring when it's already smashed up. But other than that, that I want to be the first one taking it. <laughs> I thought I liked the Sandman and Cactus because mm -hmm. it was typical Sandman. Did, wasn't he smoking a cigarette the whole entire time? He definitely has one a few times. And woman is so good here, obviously. Yeah, I, I even wrote that. I even wrote that woman was really good. Um, the and, and they tell a story of Cactus having his hand injured during the match because he punches the trash can, uh, which Sandman, of course, takes takes um, takes advantage of the fact that that his hand is injured. Uh, Aaron, before we get to the finish, any uh, comments on the match itself? No, because by the time we got to this, I was kind of lost in the sauce. I'd been drinking a lot. So <laughs> I have, like, no notes. I, like, really, my notes just go, Cactus, Sandman, Falls Anywhere, Awesome, Woman Hot. Those are my notes. <laughs> yep. you're, like, you're like a caveman in the, yeah. in the notes. Yeah. Woman's the hottest. The woman is always going to be the hottest broad you're going to see on TV, but not the hottest broad you see in person. I, I, I'll always go down and say that, man. I mean, woman was just, just completely stunning. Like her appearance, and it's amazing how somebody puts that much time into their appearance. But yet she does have some problems with like her skin and all that. Even all the makeup can't hide, which is genetic. It ain't her fault or anything. Right. 
but you have to get up close to, to like to see all the flaws. But still, I'm pretty sure I could put that aside. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> just to have her on my resume. I'll just be like, smack me, please. <laughs> please. Oh, no, no. Because she'll I imagine getting rough with her in bed. She'll bring the Sandman. <laughs> okay. She'll say it again. Where, Sandman. <laughs> where's my $20, Chad Austin? <laughs> For a woman? I'd, I'd be coughing $20 out of any, every orifice of my body. If that's all you're going to charge is $20 for a woman. Yeah, she ain't peaches prices. What are you talking about? I, I can't even get a picture with her for $20. Like, what do I get for $20 for the Sandman hack? What, do you, what, what, what are you offering me here? It's early in his career. He's desperate. Um, he doesn't, just, she doesn't even know that he's charging money for her pictures. Cactus Jack hits an elbow on the outside of the ring for the pin on Sandman in this one. And my favorite part of this, actually, I love the match. I really did. But after the match, after the pinfall, woman hits Cactus. She hits Cactus with the cane, and he starts to go after her. And what an awesome scene with her screaming. She has an awesome scream here, like, as Cactus is coming at her. It's almost like, you know, like Jamie Lee Curtis with Michael Myers or something. She's good, man. Oh, um, yeah. Like, she, she was good enough. Like here that even though I, I I was counting back like what year this was and how long she had already been in the business. <coughs> what she already had what thirteen years in? Did she start okay, so did she start in eighty three? I I mean it could be as it could be as early as late eighty two. Okay. I mean, because you know, we're talking eighty two is when this whole entire thing started mm -hmm. with Sullivan and all that, and and Nancy being one of them, you know, you know her story, how she was always hanging around, and she could have already been in some of the vignettes, right? Well, she was in the vignette with Luna, right? Yes. So that was that goes back to like that goes back to like late eighty three or late or early eighty three, I guess. Late eighty four. Yeah, because I mean, what Dusty and well, I don't know, because I mean, because you got to. What was it? Christmas night. Wasn't that the big dusty loser leave? When, when um the Jake Roberts gimmick? Yeah, so she's eleven years in the business at this point. Of course. I mean eleven years in a business for a chick her age and a chick that looks like her. Oof. The stories that fucking body could tell. Good lord. Well, Sam I read Man, that book. <laughs> Sandman Kane's cactus and then uh he tries to, to blind Cactus with his cigarette, which brings in Mikey Whipwreck. And um, he canes the Sandman, chasing woman and Sandman off. Then we get a Sandman and woman promo, which I, I didn't understand. I mean, the promo was fine, but I didn't understand woman saying, I'm trying to turn you into him. I, I guess I just, I don't know, it lost me. I didn't know what, what that was supposed to be about. Um... I don't. Re I remember that too, and I remember me thinking, I guess the closest you're gonna, I guess the closest you can say about it is that she's gonna take somebody who was just generally just like a jerk. No, I don't want to say like a jobber, but somebody mm -hmm. who just who didn't have like that mean street kind of thing, and like she just you know manipulated them into doing whatever she wanted. I guess it's what, you know that's the way I looked at it. Okay. Like, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna do what I say, and it's just like. There's just no chance at this point because I mean you never hear any stories of Cactus Jack wanting rats and stuff, right? So but yeah, like, I you're you're give me any good. Your guess is definitely as good as mine, Chad. Because I just and again, not not that it was a bad promo. Is it obviously with these two, it was a fantastic promo. But I just didn't get. I guess I just didn't. It went over my head what she was trying to get at in the promo. I can see that totally. I can I totally see that. Yeah, and I agree. Like you know. If, if you didn't, if you didn't know, I mean, I just look at it from our our point of view. We're, we're talking about something that was what almost thirty years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they, we didn't know then, <laughs> you know, we had thirty years to figure this out, <laughs> and we're still not even sure. And when the end, we end the show obviously with an awesome cactus promo. Man, ECW at this point is just building up the best promo guys because you got cactus, you got Paulie. Anyway. Um, Cactus talks about being proud of Sandman and how how he, Cactus has become weak because 
He cares about winning and not about just destroying people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, obviously, I, I'm never going to say I'm I, I'm never going to say that was a bad Cactus Jack promo. You're never going to hear that from me because um, he doesn't do bad promos. But he essentially challenges uh, Sandman to a Texas death match. And if he doesn't win it, he will right. leave ECW. Um, Aaron, Chad, any comments on this fantastic promo from Cactus Jack? Aaron? No, you got you summed it up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just weird. It, it's one of them kind of things where, you know, when you hear, like, somebody saying that if I can't beat you, I'll leave kind of thing. And you know damn well that Cactus Jack has other obligations anyway. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, it'd be it'd be a different story if it was Hot Body and Stetson, because <laughs> where are they going to go? Yeah, they they don't have anything to do. They just gonna <laughs> they just gonna work at the at the uh, the plant on Monday. Yeah, I mean Cactus Jack, you're talking about like he's got a whole bunch of bookings and everything else, and now he's got to reroute his bookings that he can't take anything on the east or east coast unless it's you can you can figure out a date for Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, I can't be in Philadelphia anymore. I got to go from Maryland to Jersey. I got to go around Philly because I lost that stinking match. Just imagine if they if they if they adhered to the, the stipulations. But anyway, good stuff. Yeah. Well, overall, guys, what did we think of this episode of ECW? I I actually enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, I gave this episode actually a B minus. First time I've been above a C. I gave it a B minus. I still, I still gave it a C. I gave it a good C because I liked a different look, mm-hmm. just not the arena. It was a little bit of Florida that, and then it was like a, you know a lot of the recap stuff. You saw some other different possible venues, you know. Yes, and we still haven't got to five Delta Slam yet, have we? Not in Florida. They were in they were in the ECW arena at one point, but we haven't seen them in the Florida shows yet. But they came from Florida. Yes. Like, are they are they a couple of the guys? See, like I said, since I didn't go, I don't know. Were they a couple of guys who just showed up? Probably. Like, looking for work, and then he just kept coming around and coming around, and then Paulie finally said, you know, if you guys come to Philadelphia, or did, yeah. he, give him a, did he give him a peek down there at all? I think at one point he was considering them, because if I remember correctly... I think we when they were at the arena and we that was probably six months ago when we when we had that, but I think they got a victory over somebody and then they had a match with public enemy and got the loss. But wait a minute, didn't they beat me and Donnie? That might yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Yeah, because wasn't one of them uh, I'm trying to think who one of the guys were. One of one of the guys ended up being somebody that I knew, but I didn't know it then until we got together, like mm-hmm. for the match. Like when the guy we were talking, he's like, "Yeah, I remember you. You worked at." I'm just thinking, like, "Oh my god!" But but it wasn't Jeff Bradley, right? I don't think so. No, <laughs> but I just figured. I just picture you going, "Ah, you old so and so." Hello. I mean, because that that's that was right in my that was right in my wheelhouse of where I was working everywhere. You know that that would be like back in the days when I would run into Bo James, like like twice a week. And then he then he would just he would tell me that he just saw my name in the sheets, and like you, you were just in Evansville, you were just in Tampa. <laughs> I love yeah. I love I love listening to that guy. Bo He's James. great. Yeah, like when I see when I I don't always listen to Between the Sheets, but when I see Bo James is on Between the Sheets, I'm like, all right, I got my popcorn, let's go, because that dude's fucking awesome. I love him. Yep, he's got them. Uh, he's got them great East Tennessee stories, man. Mm-hmm. And that's all. Uh, and he does, he's no bullshit too. Like he will call, <laughs> even if it's a bad take, he will, he will, he will make you believe his bad take. <laughs> right. I remember the last time, just the last time I went to Tennessee and it had been in the, and it had been in the last couple years that I was talking to him and me and Miss Jess were, Ahead of schedule, we were we were leaving early to get there early to get to Tennessee to see my mom. And I remember getting a touch with Bo and being like, "Hey, we'll be you're only like thirty minutes, thirty miles or so 
outside of Knoxville. How about we stop off and get lunch or something like that? And he was like, look me up. And we were driving through Kingsport and I messaged him and sure enough, he didn't get the message in time. We passed Kingsport. <laughs> so I wasn't going back. <laughs> and then on the way out of, on our way out of Tennessee, he never, he never answered. So I missed my chance to have lunch with the King of Kingsport. Oh, Bo James. You ain't kidding. That guy knows his shit. Yeah. I wonder if you can tell me anything about the Whitakers from that, that show I was telling you guys about. He probably met him. Did you guys watch that show? I watched, um, I didn't, I gotta, I gotta confess. I didn't watch the show, but I watched some clips when you mentioned it. And I was like, well, this is something I'm definitely going to have to get into when I get some time. <laughs> oh, it is. Dude, I want to see them against the Briscoes. That, that would be some shit there. The Whitakers, the Briscoes, and Duck Dynasty in a triple threat. <laughs> and, and Danhausen. I can imagine Danhausen having breakfast with the Whitakers. Whitakerhausen. Yeah, that's awesome. Danhausen and the Whitakers. Very gross. Very creepy. Dude, I love me some Whitakers, dude. I'm turning everybody I can onto them. Like if I had, if I was a manager anymore nowadays, that would be the name. My name of my um. Stable would be the soft white underbelly. <laughs> that's what that's what the series is called. I, I, I gotta manage the Whitakers, dude. All right, Aaron, any parting words for our listeners this week? Nope, just thanks for listening and um just support all the shows on the network. Thanks, guys. Yep. And and, and before I sign off, I just want to tell Miss Jess that before before we started recording this, and then I went out to the car. And I had to get my um my beer for the show. And we're recording this, and it's somewhere uh, roughly around midnight, right? Yeah, midnight. Yeah, yeah twelve thirty. And and the last thing she said when I when I went upstairs to kiss her goodnight was, "That better last till tomorrow night at least." I said, "It's, it's like twelve. It's like eleven o'clock, and I'm going out to get a thirty pack now." <laughs> like, how long do you think I'm going to stay up? <laughs> and, and do you think I'm drinking <laughs> during um? during the voice in the morning what the fuck you think i'm doing over here so I, I i i told her to don't don't you worry there'll be plenty of beer left tomorrow when you when you get home not for her but for me to carry on to the next day beer carryover and uh thank you for joining us everyone like aaron said like chad said join all of the or listen to all the shows of the wrestling radio podcast network but especially this one and tell your friends because it's the best reliving the extreme the only good was- We will see you next week, everybody, as we continue our journey through the history of ECW. Have a great weekend. Thank you.